Thanks for checking out the Candeo podcast. To learn more about us, visit us at candeochurch.com. Well, good morning. This morning, we are in our second week of our Proverbs series. So if you have your Bibles, you can go ahead and start turning to Proverbs chapter 1. And last week, we talked about wisdom. And Cody helped us answer the question, what is wisdom? And the definition of wisdom is skillfully living for God in the realities and the nuances of life. That's what we talked about last week. And the beginning of all knowledge and wisdom is fearing the Lord. Well, this morning we're going we're gonna to ask kind of the opposite question. This is kind of like the part B sermon. This morning we're going to ask the question, what is foolishness? And why does that matter? So we're going to get to specifics here in a little bit. But in general, if a person who is wise is somebody who fears the Lord, a fool is somebody who doesn't fear the Lord. And the outcome of that is this. Uh, Tim Keller, who's been really helpful for me as I've studied out foolishness, defines fool as this. A fool is someone who is out of touch with reality and should know better. Someone who is out of touch with reality and should know better. Proverbs 22.15 says that we are all naturally foolish and that wisdom is acquired. But the good news is that wisdom is actually very readily accessible to all of us. And, and this is what I mean. So Proverbs 1 verses 20 through 22 says this. Wisdom calls out in the street. She makes her voice heard in the public squares. She cries out above the commotion. She speaks at the entrance of the city gates. How long, inexperienced ones, will you love ignorance? How long will you mockers enjoy mocking and you fools hate knowledge? God's wisdom here in Proverbs is personified as a woman, lady wisdom. And in this passage, she is calling out which means that wisdom isn't like this hidden thing, right? It's not a hidden treasure that we have to dig up. Wisdom is calling out to us, appealing to the public. And in this passage, wisdom is calling out to three different kinds or types of fools. You've got the simple or the ignorant fool, the mocker, and then the fool who hates knowledge, verse 22. And this morning, I'm just going to kind of use that as our outline. We're going to walk through all three types of these fools and go, what are the consequences of walking down these paths? So the first one is this, the one who loves ignorance, the inexperienced one. Proverbs 14, 15 through 16 defines this person in this way. The inexperienced one believes anything, but the sensible one watches his steps. A wise person is cautious and turns from evil, but a fool is easily angered and is careless. Okay, now parallel that with Proverbs 22.3, piggybacks off of that and says, a sensible person sees danger and takes cover, but the inexperienced keep going and are punished. So let's, let's just like take the case study and go wisdom, foolishness. Well, the wise person is somebody who knows what they believe and that they're willing to hold the line. 
Like, like they know what lines they're not going to cross before they're ever pushed to cross those lines. They are aware of circumstances and are not reckless. They watch their steps. It's kind of like a wise soldier navigating a minefield, very cautious and very careful. And when this person sees danger, when the grenades come in, they take cover. This is the wise person. Contrast that with the fool, the ignorant, the inexperienced, the simple, the naive. My one sentence definition for this person, I'll give you kind of like a one sentence definition for each of these three types. So you note takers, you're welcome today. Uh, My one sentence definition is they don't know what they think. They don't know what they think. And what I mean by that is they don't know what's a good idea and what's a bad idea. Their moral compass is off. They don't draw lines in the sand on good versus evil. They just kind of do whatever they want. Proverbs 14, 15 says that they are gullible. They believe whatever they want and they lack common sense. And on top of that, they care very deeply about what others think about them. They, they care about the approval of others. So they just kind of like go with the flow. They see other people doing fun things. And so they throw caution to the wind and go down that path. They are reckless. They are careless. They are overconfident. And whatever path seems best to them, they go down that path. Parents, as Cody was talking to you this morning, I'm very aware you parent in a godly way. I'm assuming to avoid your child going down this kind of path. Because unfortunately, The people that walk down this path are ignorant to the consequences of their foolish choices, and they are unaware of the danger and the consequences that lie before them. Which I think it's worth asking the question this morning, does this describe you? Are you cautious when it comes to sin or are you careless when it comes to sin? Do you draw lines in the sand and hold those lines? Or do you find yourself in this season of life getting actually very comfortable with sin, unaware of the danger and the consequences? In 2003, uh, there was a man in Harlem, New York, who showed up to a hospital with some kind of animal attack that had happened, right? So he shows up with wounds or whatever his brother had taken him there. And uh, they asked him what happened and they said, uh, he said, my dog attacked me. Well, the neighbor in his apartment complex ousted him. And he said, it was not a dog. There is something much bigger in his apartment that's going on in there. And so the police come and check it out. And they're very careful, right? Actually, it sounds like one cop like, like rappelled down the side of the apartment complex and they started to get cameras into the apartment to see what they were dealing with. And when they looked inside, this is what they saw. So that's a 500 pound tiger. 500 pound tiger. This guy had apparently bought a tiger apparently easier than you would think, and raised it in his apartment. And to like nobody's surprise, except for maybe this owner, he was attacked by this tiger. I'm not making this up. That's why I brought the picture. (laughs) Like this actually happened. 
And, and apparently the cops, they like, to take this thing down, they had to come in with tranquilizers. And, and when they like tagged this thing, apparently it rammed up against the wall and the police officer reported, it's like, it's like it shook the entire like apartment complex. So they eventually take this thing down, they, they haul it off to an animal sanctuary, and then they take, off, they take the owner to jail for six months, and he famously says, ironically, the owner says, ironically, we were both placed in cages for the first time. Now, who in the world thinks that that is a good idea? It's a great question. Well, it's somebody who lacks common sense, who is careless and does whatever they want. And we hear this story and I think we go, I think that guy's kind of crazy. <laughs> and I go, yeah. But unfortunately, I think this is actually how many people treat their sin. They flirt with fire. They walk down dangerous paths. They get comfortable and careless with their sins. And there's a lot of like practical examples we could talk about with this. I actually want to go to like the three most common pitfalls or vices within our culture today. And this is actually going to almost sound cliche, but I want to talk about it. The, the three most common, you could probably nail them, is money, drugs, or alcohol, and sex. Those are the things in our culture that can kind of like wrap people in. So money, there are people and maybe this is you, who do whatever they want with their money. They throw caution to the wind. They do whatever seems best, but before you know it, you are drowning in debt or you are so consumed by greed that you are destroying both yourself and your family. Drunkenness, seeing others having fun at the bars. You go, well, let's go down that same path. Seems like they're having fun and there's no consequences there. But then as the hangovers begin to pile up, you realize that that is a cup with a hole at the bottom. It never truly satisfies and you find yourself beginning to hurt the people you love. And in the category of sex, there's, there's a lot of things that we could talk about. I actually very directly this morning want to talk about pornography. It should be no surprise to us that in the midst of COVID-19, as people have gotten more lonely and more bored, that this industry has not been struggling this past year. It has been on the exponential rise, high jump in the number of people who are clicking right now. And the bummer with this one is not only does it never fully satisfy, but it ruins lives and it ruins marriages all the time, every time. The end result is scars for both yourself, your current spouse, or your future spouse, spouse, if that's the path that the Lord leads you down. And it leaves you with a pile full of regrets. And as somebody who has walked down this path in past seasons of life, if that's you, I just kind of want to like grab you by the shoulders and go, don't do it. It is not worth it. It is a foolish and it is a dangerous path. It is literally like raising a tiger in your apartment. Now I want to pause here and say, for all three of these categories or things in our culture, I am very aware that these can get very complicated with things like addiction. And so I want to say this morning, like, this is why we need community. 
This is why we need to, to confess sin, to, be, to hold each other accountable, to pray, to lean into God's word, and potentially a level of professionally, uh, like professional counseling is necessary. But what I want to say this morning is that one of those components is asking the question, how serious am I going to get about my sin? A fool d- doesn't identify sin and run from it. They carelessly walk into it. I talked to um, somebody who is a member here at Candeo Church, and they shared with me their story as they have walked down multiple of these paths. And they shared with me uh, just kind of a brief paragraph, and I just wanted to share this with you this morning. It said, being raised in a non-Christian home, I bought into the me-first mentality and approach to life. Before he came to Christ, he said, not having Christ in my life was an incredible problem that I was completely aware of. There was no wisdom in my life. Instead of selflessness, it was selfishness. Instead of generosity, it was greed. Instead of purity, it was immorality. And the list goes on and on and on. But overall, instead of wisdom, it was complete foolishness. And I'd conform to the ways of the world. Not having a relationship with Christ left a huge hole in my life that I tried to fill with drugs, alcohol, sex, pornography, achievements, and relationships. Without godly wisdom, I did not know how to love people and be loved by people. I did not know how to put others in front of myself, and I sought out every possible solution but God. I was the definition of a fool. I was spiritually dead and completely hellbound. I was lost. These paths are not just sinful, they are foolish. And our call, Christian, is to recognize sin, take sin seriously, and run from it. If you see a tiger, don't try to live with it. Run. (laughs) Run for your life. Don't be ignorant and comfortable with sin. It will eventually kill you. This is the simple and ignorant fool. But there is another category of foolishness in uh, Proverbs 1.22, the mocker. So Proverbs 21.24 gives us the definition of the mocker. The arrogant and proud person named mocker acts with excessive arrogance. If you want a one-sentence definition for this person, they only care about what they think. So the last category, they don't know what they think. These people, they only care about what they think. Mockers are defiant and proud and arrogant. They are cynical and wise in their own eyes. They think they have it all figured out. They don't need anybody else's help. And they reject any advice or counsel in their life. And unfortunately, I think that our culture looks at these people and they actually think that these people are wise. Because a lot of times these people are smart and they're successful, but on their path to success, they're stepping on every person who is in their way. It is their way or it is the highway. They are set in their ways. And again, it might seem like that person is wise, but the Bible actually calls this person a fool. And beyond that says, do not associate with this kind of person. Look at Psalm 1.1. This is what the very first verse of the very first Psalm says. How happy is the one who does not walk in the advice of the wicked or stand in the pathway with sinners 
or, listen to this, sit in the company of mockers. How happy is that person? Cody last week talked about one of the primary goals of Proverbs is our happiness and God's definition of our happiness for our lives. And last week we learned that the the way to that path is the fear of the Lord. That's the beginning of that path. But Psalm 1-1 is giving us another hint here. They're saying, and also to walk in happiness, associate with God and don't associate with the wicked. Do not follow the path of the mocker. It is a dangerous path and there is no place in the kingdom of heaven for these kind of people. Why? It's because their hearts are full of pride. And the Bible, God is very clear on what he thinks about pride. Listen to Proverbs 3.34. He, God, mocks those who mock, but gives grace to the humble. Peter quotes this verse in 1 Peter 5, 5, where it says, God opposes the proud, but gives grace to the humble. God is very clear on how he views and how he interacts with the proud. He mocks them and he opposes them, which means if you are walking down a path of pride, it's not only that God is not on your team, it's that the God of the universe is actively opposing you. And I'm telling you, Christ follower, in this life, we will face opposition from other people for walking the path that we walk following Jesus. But I don't know about you, it seems better to me to to face the opposition of people like on this earth than to face the opposition of an eternal, holy God for eternity. Walking in pride is not just sinning against God, it is the epitome of foolishness. Contrast that with humility. God gives grace to the humble. And I believe this is most evident in salvation. I believe that the the, the first step for any person that's going to come to Jesus and have genuine faith in him and come from spiritual death to life has to have a heart of humility. And what I mean by that is as they come to Jesus, they come saying, I am broken. I, I am a fool. I don't know everything and I need you, Jesus. It takes a heart of humility to come to Jesus in that heart posture. Humility, I believe in a lot of ways, is that first step towards salvation, but it's also the path towards happiness, blessing, and wisdom. It is more wise to walk with humility than to be a mocker or to associate and hang out with mockers. So we have the ignorant, we have the mocker, and finally we have the fool who hates knowledge. My one sentence definition for this person is, they don't care about what God thinks. They don't care about what God thinks. The essence of this person is one who is stubborn, self-righteous, and refuses to change their mind. Which again, self-reflection time. It's good for you to look in the mirror and go, is this me? Am I the kind of person that's so firm in my position on everything that I'm not willing to change my mind on anything? And unfortunately, again, I think people in culture might look at this kind of person and go, I think that person's wise. 
because they're so firm, they're so stubborn, they won't change their mind on anything. It kind of almost looks like wisdom, but again, the Bible is calling that person a fool. The wise person in humility is ready and willing to change their mind if they're wrong. And this is true as we interact with other people, absolutely, but this is especially true when it comes to us interacting with God. Do you submit to God and let him define what is right and wrong, what is good and evil? When it comes to things in this life, matters in this life, at the end of the day, it doesn't matter what I think. It doesn't matter what you think. It doesn't matter what they think. It ultimately matters what God thinks. And Paul Sabino, who's one of my best friends and and mentors in, in my life, would always say, If my opinion is different from what God says, I just change my opinion to whatever God says. And how do we know what God says? It's his word. Now, if I say something this morning like, fools reject God's word, I'd probably get a lot of like head nods and amens and go, oh yeah, absolutely. Fools reject God's word. So let me go a little deeper and ask the next question. When's the last time you were in God's word? How often are you soaking up the the truths of scripture? If, If you want to know and pursue God and be wise in this life, you cannot do that without first knowing his word. Wisdom is acquired, absolutely. And it takes guidance through the Holy Spirit, through the nuances of life. But we have no hope of applying wisdom in the nuances of life without first knowing what God says in his word. So I don't know what show you guys are currently watching in your household. In the Prahoda household, we've been watching this show called Cake Wars. Might receive a bit of judgment and shade for that. I'm fine with that. I'm, my identity's in Christ. Don't knock it till you try it. Um, but Cake Wars, it's just like any other cake or baking and cooking show, you bring in the contestants, you give them a challenge. And in this one, it's like, all right, you've got, a, you've got this topic or this theme, you've got this much time, you got to use these ingredients, make us a cake and impress us. And I don't know if I'm just like easily impressed. And this is like the magnet that keeps pulling me into this show. Um, it's, I call it Casey's show, um, but I watch it. But this is like the type of stuff they make. Like all of that is edible. I don't, that's impressive to me, you know? So we keep watching it, Um, but I want you to imagine if you're watching this show, if you're watching it and you've got your four contestants and they say, all right, we need you to make a cake with a theme of Looney Tunes or whatever. And they go, and you gotta use these ingredients. Ready, go. And everyone goes to their stations and they start making their cakes and they zoom in on this one contestant with their partner and they're working on the cake. And then you're kind of listening and you start hearing the banter back and forth And they start asking questions like, now how many eggs do we use? Or like, how much flour do we put? Is that too much sugar? And you step back and you go, oh, they don't actually know how to make a cake. (laughs) Like they're on the show and they're wanting to build something amazing, but they don't actually know how to, they're gonna serve the judges a raw cake and get kicked off first round. You know how this is gonna go. You're not gonna make it very far in Cake Wars in applying the nuances, specialties, and getting creative and all of those things without knowing the basics of how to make a cake. And in the same way, we cannot apply the wisdom of God if we do not first know the basics, which is the word of God. You cannot skillfully live in 
for God in this world and the realities of this world without it. And unfortunately, um, Proverbs is not only saying that hating knowledge, uh, you just don't get wisdom. It goes a step further and says, this is what ultimately leads to destruction. I want to read for us actually the rest of Proverbs chapter one. I think this would be edifying and helpful for us. Verse 23 in your Bibles, wisdom continues to speak and says, if you respond to my warning, then I will pour out my spirit on you and teach you my words. Since I called out and you refused, extended my hand and no one paid attention. Since you neglected all my counsel and did not accept my correction, I in turn will laugh at your calamity. I will mock when terror strikes you and when terror strikes you like a storm and your calamity comes like a whirlwind when trouble and stress overcome you. Then they will call me and I won't answer, but they will search for me but won't find me because they hated knowledge and didn't choose to fear the Lord. We're not interested in my counsel and rejected all my correction. They will eat the fruit of their way and be glutted with their own schemes. For the apostasy of the inexperienced will kill them and the complacency of fools will destroy them. But whoever listens to me will live securely and be undisturbed by the dread of danger. Now I read all of that and then ask the question, so how do the fools end up on this path? Verse 29 tells us, could not be more clear, because they hated knowledge and didn't choose to fear the Lord. And the end result, as we kept reading, was trouble, calamity, and ultimately death. Which means that walking the path of the fool is not just bad. Again, it will literally kill you. The Bible warns us of this path gives a clear warning, but fortunately, the Bible also gives us an invitation to a different path. I talked about this in John, that the Bible gives us two clear categories of warning and invitation, and Proverbs is no different. We are invited down a different path, and the good news of the gospel is Jesus made that path possible. While Jesus was on earth, he fully embodied wisdom he feared the Lord. He was holy. He hated sin. He ran from sin. He was perfect. And Philippians 2 says, make your own attitude that of Christ Jesus, who existing in the form of God did not consider equality with God as something to be used for his own advantage. Instead, he emptied himself by assuming the form of a slave, taking on the likeness of men. And when he had come as a man in his external form, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even to death on a cross. Now, Jesus did what a fool would never do. Jesus did what a fool would never do. Fools don't become servants. They want power over others. Fools don't humble themselves. They want to be exalted. Fools do not die for other people because they are only looking out for their own interests and they're only doing what they want. But Jesus took the path of humility with infinite wisdom and went to the cross. A fool looks at the cross and goes, what in the world is Jesus doing? That makes no sense. But it is exactly because Jesus went to the cross that we have hope and that we have an opportunity for a different path. Jesus became a fool in the world's eyes so that we might have wisdom in him. 
To get wisdom, you need to get Jesus. If you want to become a Christian, you must become a fool for Christ. Everything's upside down, or maybe the better language is right side up in God's kingdom. Admit that you've been a fool, embrace the cross, and look like the fool to the world. This is the invitation of the gospel. So I actually want to end our time talking about these two paths. Proverbs will keep hitting on this. You got these two paths of wisdom and foolishness, humility and pride, righteousness and wickedness. And there's clear warning and clear invitation. But I think in a lot of ways, Christians actually get this twisted a bit. And, and this is what I mean. They see the one path of warning and they go, okay, don't sin. Don't do this. Don't do that. Don't jump into sexual immorality. Don't get drunk. Don't be proud. All these don'ts. And yes, Christian, I'm trying to be very clear here this morning. We're called not to go down those paths. Absolutely. But the Christian life is not a life of just don't do these things. It's not a life of guilt and obligation and rule following. Hear me when I say it is a better path. It's a path of enjoying the richness of Christ, of joy and of flourishing. If you want my whole sermon in a nutshell, walking down the foolish path has temporary and eternal consequences, but Jesus graciously offers us a better path. And I wanna end our time with one last illustration. I know I've peppered you with a lot of illustrations today, but I think you can handle it. Uh, we've got a dog at home. His name's Coda. If you've been over to our house, you've met him. He's got a big personality. We love him. He's about to turn two. He's definitely still a puppy. There's one thing that uh, is true about dogs. If dogs eat too much chocolate, it can harm them. And actually, if they eat, again, too much chocolate, it'll kill them. Um, if you're a dog owner and you're just now finding that out, you should probably read a little more books. It's kind of a big one. Don't do that. So imagine I bring home a, a, a chocolate pie. If Coda sees that pie, he is going to get locked in. Actually, last night we had a cookies and cream pie out and he was so like, that's all he wanted. That's where his eyes were at. And what's true about dogs is yes, they get locked into things. But the thing that I learned that was actually really helpful for me is that dogs are opportunists. And what I mean by that is if they're locked in, the way to get them out of it is to present them with a better opportunity, a better option. So if that was the case, Coda's locked into the pie, that'll kill him. I know the thing to do. The trump card I have is the canine cannon. It is a gift that my mother-in-law gave me kind of as a joke, but now we use it all the time. And I brought a picture of this. Uh, I had Casey take a picture. So there's me and Coda in our backyard. And it's like, oh, like, it's like a rocket launcher for tennis balls. He loves it. Uh, you can see he's locked in right there, right? We do this for, we could probably do it for hours. He would love it. But he, he runs, he grabs the tennis ball. I don't know if you've seen this with dogs, but as he's running back, it's almost like there's a smile on his face as he's like holding the tennis ball. He'll drop it and I'll launch another one. We could do it forever. On top of that, not only is he having fun, but it's like healthy exercise for our dog. You should probably exercise your dog. Another thing, if you're a dog owner, that you should know. If Coda ate the pie, he would enjoy it for a moment, sure. But there's a good chance it'd kill him. But if I provided the better option, it not only doesn't kill him, he loves it. It's better. A path of short-term pleasure eventually kills 
but there is a path of life and joy. And my question this morning is, do you believe that walking the path of Jesus and his wisdom is better? That fearing the Lord, serving him and following his commands is better. Jesus is all knowing. He knows you, he understands you, and you better believe he knows the world that he created. And in this life, we are getting thrown, stuff thrown at us all the time, but Proverbs is Jesus gently taking us by the hand and showing us the better path. And my prayer this morning for our church is that we would see these two paths so clearly and take the path that Jesus is offering. Let me pray for us. Jesus, you are so good and so kind uh, to us that you came for us on the cross. And that not only did you provide a path for salvation, but you also provide the path for wisdom. Lord, I, I pray for people right now that uh, maybe are feeling a conviction of sin. Lord, I pray that we would confess our sin, we would repent our, of our sin, and that we would run holy to you, Jesus, the better path. We are so thankful for what you've done for us. And this morning, we want to remember that. And it's in your name we pray. Amen. Visit us at candeochurch.com.